It's good to see you all. I'm so excited about what we are talking about this month, which is the gift of opportunity. Today, I'm going to talk about four levels of opportunity. These four levels, we all bump into them, all right? Sometimes one at a time. Sometimes all four come to us at a time. But these four levels, one way or another, we do bump into them. We're reading our main text, and I'm reading only one verse today. Last week we read more verses than that. But verse 11 of Ecclesiastes chapter 9 is our main text, and I'm reading in the NIV Bible. It reads as follows. I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant, or favor to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. I see you people have come to church. I said, may the Lord bless the reading of his word. Now, the writer of Ecclesiastes makes this observation. And I think the operative word there in verse 11 is in that first sentence where he says, I have seen something else under the sun. His commentary is based on a human observation, what we observe from a natural human perspective, what we see as human beings. And he is really musing around this confusing thing, this funny thing that seems to be there in life that sometimes happens in nature, that even though there are people who may be swift, they are not the ones who win the race. That even though there are people who are strong, they don't win the battle. The wise sometimes don't even have food to eat. The brilliant don't have wealth. And even the land don't get favor almost like things are upside down and it's almost like there's an unfairness to life. And of course it says, by the way, I'm observing from a human perspective. It doesn't make sense how you can work so hard and never get any worth come back to you. Do all the right things and get evil coming your way. But then he says, but in spite of all of that, there is something that's an equalizer. Something that evens out all these things that we are talking about. And it is time and chance. And that time and chance happens to everyone. Regardless of who you are, whether you are the swift, the strong, the wise, the brilliant, the unbrilliant, doesn't matter. But time and chance happens to us. And that word time is a very interesting word because it is the word E-double-T in the Hebrew language. And that word means time or opportunity. He says, in spite of all these things that we observe and we don't know how to account for them when they happened, Oksalayo is that all of us have time given to us and attached to that time is a thing called opportunity. Everybody will have opportunity in life. Everybody will have time. And if they know how to use the time, and if they know how to leverage the opportunity, it will even out all these funny things that happen. Even though, you know, you may, have, you may feel you should be further in life than where you are, you should be treated more better than what you are treated right now. But if you learn how to use time, if you learn how to use opportunity, it will even out. But then it says, but even with that time and that opportunity, there's this thing called chance attached to that. And the word chance there is the Hebrew word W-A-P-E-G-A. And it means incident and occurrence. This is what it means. What he's saying is that when you try to take advantage of opportunity and use the time that's before you, you will have this thing called incident. In short, you will fall into things that will try to be a hurdle to you. Things that just occur from nowhere because you are trying to leverage your opportunity. Not only that, you will also have this thing called occurrence. 
occurrence is things that come to us to try and frustrate us. You're trying to move on with your vision. You're trying to move on with opportunity, but there will be things that try to frustrate you. Ours, therefore, watch this now, is to ensure that we are not locked to a human perspective. We are not looking at things from a human perspective as people who are under the sun. We should lift up our observation and lift up our expectation to realize that God gives opportunity. And when opportunity comes, opportunity comes to be seized. Opportunity comes to be used. Opportunity is a favorable moment given to us by God. And God will make sure that opportunity comes your way. And so we look even at the definition of the word opportunity. We noted how sailors of old used this word opportunity as they were trying to bring ships in to the harbor to come and dock so that they can unload cargo. And they would always watch the waves, the sea, and the wind. Ship in these days were driven by sails. And so it was very important for the weather to be cooperative. If the weather is not good and the seas are not rough and the winds are not blowing in the right direction, it was not possible for them to bring the ship to harbor. Even prior to this time, there were times when there were no harbors at all. And so the sailors had to always wait for this thing that they called opportune. Opportune is when the wind was favorable, when the seas were not rough. It is, it is, a, it is, a, it is a period when time and tide converged for the ship to be brought underway. So it meant these sailors, together with the captain, when opportune came, the captain would run around screaming and shouting, telling all the other sailors, opportune is here. And when he made that announcement, it was time for the ship to dock. It was time for them to unload the cargo. It was time for them to take advantage of opportunity. Because if you don't take advantage of opportunity, if the weather changes, you may have to wait a day, a week, a month, or opportunity may never come. So they learned when the captain shouts opportunity, they learned that when opportunity emerges, it must dictate your priority. It must dictate your attention. It must dictate your focus. And it must dictate the pace at which you do what you do. I want to tell you this morning, God is a God of opportunity. And when God gives opportunity, and when a God opportunity comes, it's got to change everything about you. It must dictate your priority, it must dictate your attention, it must dictate your focus, and it must dictate the pace at which you do life. Why? Because opportunity doesn't come to pause. Opportunity comes to pass. And if you don't seize it, you may regret the moment. In John chapter 9, an amazing story, Jesus is walking around and he sees this blind man. And his disciples start asking him a question, why is this man blind? Did he sin? Did the parents sin? And you know, Jesus was a master at taking situations and turning them around. And Jesus decides to use this moment as a teachable moment. And so his response to the disciples is that, look, Neither did this man sin nor the parents sin, but that the works of God must be established. I must work the works of God whilst it is still day. So what Jesus is saying is that, let me not get into who sinned or who has not sinned, but what I see in front of me is opportune. And my opportunity is for me to do the works of God whilst it is still day. He says, for the night is coming when no man can work. When he talks about day, he's not talking about daybreak or sun, the sunshine. He's talking about a moment of opportunity. When he's talking about night, he's not talking about darkness. He's talking about a time when opportunity has passed. We learn from this verse as we read the chronology of the life of Jesus that six months after this incident, Jesus was crucified and he died on the cross. 
Which means this. Had he not prayed for this man at that opportune time, he would have missed an opportunity. And so today I want to show you four levels of opportunity that come to all of us, either one at a time or they come all at once. And these opportunities, we need to know how to use them. Well, the first one is what we want to call the low-level opportunity. Tell your neighbor, neighbor, it's called low-level. <laughs> this opportunity is not a life-changing one. This one happens as life unfolds, you know, as you have opportunity. I mean, you have opportunity to go to the mall. I mean, we look at mauling, so what? <laughs> I mean, an opportunity to comb your hair, to buy the bunny chow. You know, you just had an opportunity to send a Bluetooth high five. I mean, really, you know. These are opportunities that are moments that really, they really not have nothing special, but it's an opportunity, you see. When we said high five your neighbor Bluetooth, you had an opportunity to do it or not to do it. Matter whether you did it or you didn't did it. <laughs> Anybody understand what I'm saying? It has no consequence to the outcome of your life. I mean, even if you didn't send them a Bluetooth high five, nothing's going to change about your life. I mean, God's not going to punish you. You understand what I mean? You will still go to heaven. You will still go to heaven. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? So there are those low-level opportunities, and they come to us every day we wake up. We have opportunities, many, many opportunities. However, there's the second level that I want to call the mid-level opportunity. These opportunities have a potential to change your life to some extent. For instance, like when you get a new job. Say, for instance, you got a new job or you're on contract for six months. At least for the next six months, things will be much better for you, right? It's an opportunity you got. At least for six months, no, oh, no, it's not so bad. You know, at least you'll be able to pay back Batwama Chonisa and you won't have to Chonisa anymore. It's an opportunity. But this opportunity is not far-reaching enough to bring about any major change in your life. But it is an opportunity. All right? And then the third level opportunity is what we want to call the high-level opportunity. Now, these kinds of opportunities, we are told, they come around a few times in your lifetime. Sometimes these are a one-time door opportunity which will never come back. You know, when you watch this uh, documentary, yeah, I blew it. Uh. You see people who, who, who had an opportunity to be rich people. Or whatever it was. But because they didn't understand the kind of opportunity they had, they blew it. So there are opportunities like that, that if they come your way, it may just be once in your lifetime or a few times in your life. And if you take advantage of them, your life is about to change forever. But like the writer of Ecclesiastes says, this is what happens under the sun. This is just what happens in normal life. I want to take you to the fourth level which is what I call the God opportunities. These are different kinds of opportunities. It's when God himself engineers opportunity and brings it your direction. See, with life, you may find opportunity comes and goes and you never get it back. With God, it's a different story. God just knows how to create opportunity in our life. This is when God puts before us opportunity. This is the highest form of opportunity because it's presented from our Father God. But watch this. God operates at the highest level. And so this opportunity, you can only see it, you can only leverage it when you learn to tap into God's higher level. In Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, listen to what God says. God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts. <laughs> Neither are your ways my ways, declare the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, 
and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Oh, I want to hear an amen to that. The Message Bible says, I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. God's decree. For as the sky soars high above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. You see, it's almost like when we... In this kind of weather today, particularly in the morning, the sun is coming out now. But you know, earlier on, it was all dark and gloomy. We were all under the clouds. In a weather like this, when you're under the clouds and your thoughts are lower than the clouds, all you are thinking about is the dark, gloomy weather. But all you, and you may make an assumption, that's the way everything is. It's dark and gloomy. Until you get into a plane. And once you get into a plane and the plane flies and breaks through the clouds, all of a sudden you discover on the other side of the clouds, the sun is shining. And God says, for as long as you stay under the clouds, so long as you stay in the ways that are lower ways, you will never know how I work. Because if your ways are lower than my ways, you will allow the clouds of life to control your life. When things are dark, when things are gloomy, you will make an assumption that God is not working. You will make an assumption that the cloud, the sun is not shining. You will jump to a conclusion that God has forgotten you because everything is not the way it is. But I want you to lift up your thoughts and bring them up to a higher level. Because on the other side of the clouds, the sun is shining. I don't know who I'm talking to today. Somebody here, the sun is shining on the other side. Even though it may look dark and gloomy, God says my ways are higher than your ways. I'm still at work, even if it doesn't make sense to you. I'm still at work. God's ways are higher than our ways. And so what God wants to do through giving us the God opportunity, he wants to get us to lift up our thinking. Lift up our expectation and lift up our understanding to understand how God works. To know that even if we are living down here on earth, we are not of this world. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. We need to understand that even if we live in this world, our life is still in the control of God's hand. And God can still create opportunity. Can I hear a good amen in the house? And so there are three examples of the God opportunity that we find in several words that are used in the New Testament, but they also apply in the Old Testament. Let me give you those words. The first word is the word kairos. Write it down. Kairos. The second word is the word eukarya. Eukarya, as you can see it there on the screen. Or Eukairos. And the third type of time of opportunity is called Topos. Topos. These are the God opportunities. The opportunities that God presents. That even if we live here on earth, if we learn to seize these opportunities that God brings our way, we will be able to soar above the dark clouds of life. We'll be able to go into higher levels. Let's talk about the Kairos time. Kairos speaks of a fixed season with purpose. God creates these opportunities. It speaks of when God brings things to a head. Almost like when it's time for the baby to be born. Once a child is ready to be born, there is nothing that can stop that process. And in spite of the predictions from the doctor and the sonar scan, only God and the baby know the time. And when that time comes, 
There is nothing that anybody can do to stop it. Because the Kairos time has come. This kind of time is when God brings together all things you need in order to move to the next level in your life or to the higher level of, a t- of your life. Kairos speaks of a God opportunity marked by hearing God's voice afresh and anew. In Kairos time, God speaks something new and something fresh. In the midst of darkness, in the midst of deadness, When God takes his prophet to the valley of dry bones, it would be something if God had taken the prophet to the valley of bones. But the Bible says it's the valley of dry bones. So in other words, there's no hope for whoever was these bones to be alive. They've been there, they've been dead, it's been a long time, and God takes the prophet, puts him there, asks him a question. Can these bones live again? I don't know who you are. You are looking at the dry bones of your life, the dry bones of your career, the dry bones of your family, the dry bones of everything, and God brings about this Kairos moment and he asks you a question, can these bones live again? And because we're human and we only observe things under the sun, Because we are under the weather, under the clouds, we can only answer as humans. We can only answer as limited people. And the prophet says, under us. I don't know. And God speaks to the prophet, gives him a word, and he says, speak to the bones. Don't speak about the bones. Speak to the bones. Don't speak about the situation. Speak to the situation. Talk to the situation by the command of God. Can these bones live again? And we all know the story. Finally, as the prophet spoke by the command of God, the bones came to life. So the Kairos moment, is characterized by the content and the quality of time. Kairos is not about the length of time, but it's about what happens in that time. These bones that had been dead for a long time, it just takes a few seconds for God to bring them back to life. I don't know whose dead bones I'm talking to today. For many years, your career has been dead. For many years, your situation has been dead. For many years, your church has been dead. For many years, your home has been dead. And God is about to bring about a God opportunity in your life. Kairos is a favorable opportunity. It's time as it brings forth several events. It's a season which time gives opportunity to give. It's an opportune time. The fullness of time. It's a set time. It's a season. We see this in Genesis 18. God had given to Abraham and Sarah a promise. That they will have a child. Like every one of God's promises, it may not happen tomorrow. Mara, one day is one day. Abraham and Sarah, unfortunately, are like us. When they have received the promise, they become impatient. When they have received the promise, they allow the dark clouds that they are under to determine what God's will is. Because their thoughts are lower than God's thoughts. They are not as high as God's thoughts. They are operating under the sun. And after they waited for the promise of God for a long time, they decide to do Abur Makaplan. They decide, they decided to do, God helps those who help themselves. And so what do they do? They get a child. Everyone gets a child with Hagar and God says, ah, that's not the one. I said you, your child, from your loins with your wife, not what you have done. And so God, because God when he speaks, God when he promises, he's not a man to lie. He's not the son of man to change his mind. If God has said it, he will do it. If it comes from him, he will do it. If you fulfill the conditions, he will do it. Yeah. 
And so God then decides to visit Abraham and Sarah, and they're very old now. All hope is gone. They've been living in pain. People have been laughing about them. They've gotten to a point where they don't even want to talk about it. They don't want to mention it. They're even questioning if they heard the right thing. And God visits them. And we pick up the story in Genesis 18. I want to read from verse 13. God said to Abraham, first of all, before I read that, God comes to Abraham and reminds him and said, Hey, Munna, didn't I say you are going to get a child with your wife? Abraham says, yeah. And God says, I'm going to keep to what I said. Your wife is going to get a child. Verse 18. So Sarah is in the house, listening over to the conversation between God and Abraham. And she starts laughing. Because she thinks, Kanjan, I'm old. I've menopause. Abraham has bubble post. How going to get, how is, how, how is it going to happen? People are laughing at me. How is it going to happen? How me, me, me in this old, how is it going to happen? And so she laughs. She doesn't realize that whatever you do in secret, God does see. And verse 13, the Lord says to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh? Saying, shall I surely bear a child since I'm old? And God asks a question in verse 14 that he's asking you today. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I'm asking you a question. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Note what God says. He says, at the appointed time, Kairos, at the appointed time, I will return. God says, I will visit at the appointed time. He says, according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied saying, no, Lord, I didn't laugh because she was afraid. And God says, yeah, you did laugh. And God said that because you laughed, that which is going to be born of you, I want it to be a reminder of what I did. Call your son Isaac, and that name means laughter. God says, I want it to be a living memorial that when I talk about things, you don't laugh about them. That even if they laugh about you, when Kairos time comes, God is about to turn things around. I don't know who you are that they have been laughing at, but God is about to bring a Kairos time at a set time. At a set moment. This time is when God engineers the moment. The Kairos time is a moment of visitation. You see, there are certain visitations from human beings that can bring sorrow, panic, worry. Others can bring joy, excitement, and good news. But a visitation from God is not just a visitation. But when we encounter God, he brings transformation and he brings development. When God visits and intervenes in our lives, anytime God visits, he brings with him abundant provision. And anytime God visits, my dear friend, you must be ready for laughter. Why? Because every time God visits, he comes to confirm and fulfill his promise. For that reason, never give up on the promises of God. Because every promise of God has a kairos moment. Every promise of God will come to pass in the fullness of time. Every promise of God, his word never falls to the ground. No word from God is void of power. God doesn't speak useless and inoperative words. God is not a man to lie. God is not the son of man to change his mind. What God has said will come to pass. So never give up on the promises of God. Never give up on God's word. Never give up on prayer. Never give up on the things that God spoke about your life, spoke about your destiny, spoke about your future, spoke about your children, spoke about your husband, spoke about your wife. Never give up. Because what God has promised, he will bring to manifestation. Instead of looking at the clouds, 
Don't consider your present state and write yourself up from the fulfillment of God's promises. Why does God visit? I'll tell you the reasons for God's visitation. Number one, God visits to confirm and honor his promise. When you have a visitation from God, he is there to confirm and honor his promise. One thing God cannot do, God cannot lie. And God will not lie. Number two, God visits to make the impossibilities possible. (laughs) Sarah was very old, biologically barren, unable to get pregnant. But God's visitation made her pregnant and she had a son. I, you know, I think God must really be great, gracious to us as a generation to see God's visitation and understand God's visitation. You know, a visitation from God, when God begins to move among a people, to move in the lives of people, things happen that we thought will never happen. Yeah. Because when God visits, he brings about change. Number three, God visits at the set time. His set time. For that reason, listen to me, never despair. Never lose hope because there's no delay with God. There is no lateness with God. God always does things at the perfect time, at the exact time according to his purpose and according to his plan. Sometimes we assume that we should be having certain things at a certain time or that we should be at a certain stage in life at a certain time. Now, even if we are following God's will, at times we find that things don't work out as we thought. But at the set time, God visits. Number four, when God visits, he comes to change our mood. (laughs) Our laughter of doubt will be changed to a laughter of the manifestation of God. God begins to wipe away the tears. But here's the question. How then do we attract God's visitation? Remember what I said last week. The God opportunities are wrapped up in the mundane, everyday disciplines. God's opportunity doesn't shout from the mountaintop. God's opportunities doesn't blow whistles, trumpets. There's no thunder. There's no lightning. God's opportunities are wrapped up in the everyday things that God expects us to do. So, how then do we attract God's visitation? Number one, live by God's word every day. Be disciplined to the word, to prayer, and to righteous, holy living. Live like that. Even if it looks like it's not bearing fruit. Even if it looks like, even if you read the word, you read the Bible, you live right, it doesn't look like your life is better than anybody else. And you see, this is the deception that Satan takes out so many Christians from their walk with God. He says to you, you've been living right. Listen to me, Satan is the liar and he's the father of lies. When people received visitations from God, it is when they were busy with the everyday disciplines. Think about Cornelius, a man who prayed for his family every day. Wasn't a Jew. Every day he gave up arms. Every day prayed. Finally, Kairos moment comes. God sends an angel to Cornelius. And the angel comes to him. And listen to what the angel says. The angel says, Cornelius, everything you've been doing, your prayers 
and your arms have come up as a memorial before God. God doesn't forget your work of faith. God doesn't forget your commitment and your love to him. You know, sometimes the devil lies, and I don't know why I'm saying this, but I've got to say this. The devil lies to people. And he says, look at Spaniban. They don't pray, they don't go to church. Look at the way they live, Marapega. Their life is better than yours. It's a lie. I said it's a lie. I said it's a lie. You'll never ever live righteously before God and live by the word of God without God coming through for you. So live the righteous life, the holy life. Live by God's word. Read God's word. Pray every time. And it's in the process of doing that that you will bump into the opportunity that God presents. Number two, be faithful and loyal in your service of God all the time. Be faithful. Be faithful. Whether you are serving in the church as an usher, counselor, musician, camera people, security, you're cleaning in the church, whatever you're doing, be faithful. As a minister, as a muruti, be faithful. Be a faithful member of the church. Attend the church faithfully. Give your tithing and your offering faithfully. Be faithful. Be faithful to come for prayer this week. Be faithful. Be faithful and loyal in your service of God all the time. There's something about faithfulness and loyalty that God rewards faithfulness and loyalty. People who are undisciplined, disloyal, not dependable, oftentimes miss out on the God opportunity. God is always looking for us to be that way. If you read the story of major prayer warriors who prayed and spent time in the presence of God and they experienced a visitation, some of them after many, many, many years. And God was able to reward them for it. Number three, you must always be ready and expect God's visitation because it may come at the least expected moment. No wonder God says, be alert. God says, be on guard. Why? Because God's visitation may come at the least expected moment. Note, Basalan, when you read the Bible and when you read Bible history, you will note that there has never been any man, any woman who has ever served God faithfully and loyally without God coming through in the way he has promised. Sometimes those men and women never see the outcome of their lives whilst they are alive. But you find after they are gone, the fruit of their labor comes up in their children. If not in their children, it comes up in their grandchildren. Why? Because when you live for God and when you do things for God, it will attract God's visitation. Let me close with this. God will never change his mind about his promise to visit you and to release his blessings. Therefore, stay focused on God and you will never miss his time of visitation. Stay focused on what God says. And you will never miss his time of visitation. Let me conclude, Bazalana, by giving you an illustration. You know, as a young Christian, some of these things made a huge impression in my mind. And I want to refer to that period because at that time, I was not a pastor. I was a church member. And still very young in the things of God, really. Didn't know much. I still don't know much. I know a little bit. But then it was even worse. And I remember when I was doing grade 12, which we called Runa Standard 10 
right in Send a 10. Form 5, all right. You really want to make me even more ancient than that. That's right. Form 5. As way back in 1979, I met, I was born again. I'd been born again the year before, 1978. Towards the end of the year, I really was desiring and hungry to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't know how. And by the beginning of 1979, I'd come back from school, go to the church I was attending, the United Reformed Church in, Rog- in uh, Morocco, asked the pastor to let me use the church to pray. And I'd spend time in prayer for an hour or so, asking God to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Please listen carefully. I, I didn't know how to receive. I, I just didn't know, okay? But there's one thing I've realized is that if you hunger for God, God will lead you to the right thing finally. I'm telling you. Because God looks at the heart. So I prayed for months and didn't get filled with the Spirit. And finally, one day, you know, it was just a thought, Nje, to say, look, why don't you read through the book of Acts? Because people got filled with the Spirit in the book of Acts. So I started reading Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 2, I saw how they got filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 3, I saw that. Went to Acts chapter 8, got filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10, I saw how they got filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 19. But it was Acts chapter 8 that got me as I was reading through that. And I noted that, you know, the believers in, in Samaria who had received the word of God, you know, they sent to them Peter and John to pray for them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says then they laid hands on them. And they got filled with the Holy Spirit. And I remember, I was reading that. I wasn't really praying. I was reading that, but I think I was thinking it out. And I thought to myself, if, 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 if they can just lay hands on me to be filled with the Spirit, I believe I will receive. Yeah, here's what I want you to learn. God will meet you at the level of your faith. If you're hungry for Him. At that time, we were praying as a group of young people during lunchtime, Three of us, four of us, we would pray together for a revival at our school. The other three were spirit-filled. I was the only one who wasn't spirit-filled. So when we prayed, we would pray and they'd start praying in tongues. And I couldn't. I mean, I, I, I'd pray the Lord's Prayer and they're still praying. You know, people who pray in tongues, they never stop. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? You know what I'm talking about, right? The, the more they praise, the more they pray. Anybody knows what I'm talking about? The more you tell them to stop is the more they pray. So it was really bad. So they kept on praying and praying. I prayed the Lord's Prayer. I finished. They were still praying. I did it in English. They were still praying. They were still praying. I tried the Africans were not so good, but they were still praying. And I got frustrated. So I just stand there and I look at them. And they were praying and praying and praying. Finally, one day, this is on the 4th of July, 1979. You must go and check it. 4th of July, 1979 was a Wednesday. 4th of July, 1979. After we had prayed, one of the people who were there in the prayer meeting, he, after we prayed, we were about to close, he says, hi, man, why don't you lay hands on this guy to be filled with the Spirit? You know? You know, on the outside, I was, I was, I was just cool, but on the inside, I was going, yes! <laughs> they laid hands on me, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. Changed my whole life. Changed my whole life. But then we started praying as a group of students for a visitation in our school. We had, we had been praying, Bazalana, since March. July, God filled the Spirit. We prayed into August, September. October came. And I know we'll forget this day. I mean, here we are just young people. Those days, we were allowed to preach at assembly. So we came up on the podium to speak, and I remember I was preaching. All along when I used to preach, they used to laugh at me. You know, they said there's something wrong, Kasson. You know. But that particular day as I stood, all of a sudden, there was a presence I couldn't understand. There was an anointing, I'm telling you. Not only were the students quiet, the teachers were listening. And there was just a flow, and I don't even remember what I said, but I said something. And not only that, the other friends of mine, as they came to speak, they began to speak and the power of God came 
And then when we went to the student Christian movement, we used to meet on Wednesdays at school. The place was packed out. I mean, we had young people in the hall, standing outside the hall. We've always had people standing outside, that anointing, the outside anointing. So we had people standing outside. And it was all packed out. And from that school to date, I think I can remember at least about three or four people who are genuinely born again. One of them is a member in our church as I speak right now. From that time. <clears throat> Not only did that happen, we started getting a visitation of God at our home. My mom got saved. My dad recommitted his life to the church. And then the youth movement where we are, we started praying as a group of young people, meeting together. There was a hunger and a fire for God. Bazalana, when God visits, when God visits, don't miss that opportunity. Can I hear an amen? You know why? And I'm going to share this next week. When God opens one door, what you don't know is that behind that one door, there are 10 other doors that God is going to open. And many years you look back at that time in your life and you realize that moment, that is when my life changed forever. Sometimes it's just a decision you make when you are in a church service. To say, God, I want you in my life. It's a decision to say from today, this is how I'm going to live. This is how I'm going to handle my life. And when you make that decision, it's a decision that changes your life forever. I told them in the first service that I got an opportunity way back in 1978, uh, 1977 rather, through the student exchange program to go to America. And I was so happy. I mean, I'm, I'm, America <laughs> in the 70s was a big thing. It's still a big thing now, but imagine those days, America. But my parents refused that I should go on that exchange. I was so angry. I was so angry. Ooh. But then I was to be gone for a year and a half, just about. So I'd have been in America, America, from 77 <laughs> to probably part of 1979. But because they said no, right, on the 5th of August, 1978, yeah. that's when I got born again. <laughs> so, so, they are no was a God-inspired no. Had I gone to America, I wouldn't be standing here today. The God opportunity, one door opens to ten other doors. And next week, I'm going to show you that, how the one opportunity opens to ten other opportunities. But I want to encourage you today, take hold of the Kairos moment, the set moment. Open your eyes and see God's opportunity. And when God begins to move you in a certain way, don't ask your friends. Don't ask their opinion. Take hold of the opportunity and run with the opportunity. Because that one opportunity can change your life forever and forever. Bow your heads with me, please, as we pray. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Our heads bowed. Our eyes closed. I believe God knew very well you'd be in the service today. Right where you are. Whether you are streaming from the other churches, you're on YouTube, Facebook, or on our website. Could be in the foyer. You could be in the youth hall or in the main auditorium. Here's my question to you. Will you respond to the opportunity to invite Christ in your life today, right now, to be the Savior and the Lord of your life? Could it be maybe you, you got discouraged because 
Things were not working out. And you yielded to the lie that it's not worth it. And you allowed yourself to go and try other things. But as you've been listening to God's word today, you realize only Jesus can change and transform my life. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. It could be that you once received Christ in your life, but you went back. You drew back to the old way of living. But here you are today to recommit your life to God once more and to say, Lord, here I am. Here's opportunity presented before you. All you need is to respond to this opportunity and say, Lord, here I am. Here's my life. Our heads bowed, please. Our eyes closed. Right where you are, if you say, please pray for me. Please pray for me. My life is not right before God. And I want to make things right. I want to take that step to make things right this morning. Please pray for me. I want to come to God just as I am because I know he can change me and transform me. Would you raise your hand right where you are? Just raise it high if you need prayer. I want to pray for you. Just raise it high. Thank you for those hands all over the place. Just raise it high. Thank you. All right, let's have the ushers please go stand next to those people who have raised their hands. Even in the overflow hall, we have people there. Just raise your hand right where you are. Just raise it up. Only Jesus is able to change lives. Bless you. Can I ask the people who raise their hands, would you stand on your feet, please? I want to pray with you. Would you just where you are? Thank you so much. Give them a hand. This is a powerful statement. Thank you, Lord. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for these precious people who are responding to you now. As we present them to you, we thank you that you are beginning a work in their lives, a new work, a glorious work, a powerful work, a work that only you can do. Fill them to overflowing. Change them and transform them, I pray. In Jesus' name. And everybody said,